0: Is it going? We are in. So, everybody, welcome to Legitimus Podcast episode number seven. About six more than I thought that we would make it. (laughs) As always, you have your crew. We have Roy from Vintage Axe Works. We have Killer from Killer Moving and U Haul Service. Then we have myself, Mike from Double Bit Axe Company. So, here on this first week of September, headed into fall. What do we have to talk about today, gentlemen?
1: Uh, I thought we were going to talk about jobs. What kind what? of jobs? Epoxy hand jobs.
0: Yes. Apo- we can start off and talk about those if we want. Epoxy hand jobs.
1: I don't know if that would be very
0: uh, comfortable. <laughs> you said exactly. be the be uh, the epoxy king, so why don't you lead us through that then? Okay, so... <laughs> 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 Epoxy
2: King Far from it But So I'm doing this axe for Hoffman Whenever we were down there in North Carolina um, He was walking us through his shop and everything And just saying that uh, He's been in there for a year And it's kind of an anniversary Brand new Brand new shop, everything, open house So uh, I wanted to make him an axe And like what, what kind of axe do you make for a guy that makes axes for a living? So I wanted to do something a little different. And I was trying to reach out to you, Miller, and asking if you wanted to to participate, if you wanted to donate a head, and you were just kind of him hawing around. I didn't come straight up and ask you, so maybe that's my fault. Mm. But uh, I found uh, an anniversary double bit, beveled. Uh, Michigan pattern made by Kelly, presumably. And, uh, I had an old piece of shit wood um, that had a big fucking knot in it. I mean, just gnarly knot. And normally, you know, that's just junk. So, uh, I decided to decided to do something creative and unusual and I filled it up with epoxy. And I've got several epoxy colors. I've got some that are, like, uh, iridescent or whatever. They're all, like, crazy. You, know, you all have seen them, whatever. Um, and then I just got some clear dye. So it's still transparent. So you can dye them any color, but you can still see through it. So uh, <clears throat> whenever I did that jersey... I did an aqua blue on it, so I thought it looked really cool, so I decided to do that with that. I'm looking at it now, sorry. Um, I decided to do that with the Hoffman piece, so um, it's not easy to do, and I get tons of questions, and I get tons of shit for doing it, Um, like, is that going to hold up? Would you use it? No, this is a fucking display piece. I'm not going to use anything, so... um, you have to build a mold for each one, so each one's individual, um, and it's it's very very time consuming from the setup to the pour to the finishing. Um, it's not it's not easy to do, uh, and I'm by no means an expert on it, but it turned out really freaking cool. Um, one of the things, so there are two methods of epoxy. Um, one is this stuff that I use. It's uh eco epoxy. It's like the, the new freaking thing right now because you don't have to pressurize it. So with the, with traditional epoxies, you need to put them like, uh, for knife scales, for instance, you need to, uh, Miller, I can hear you shuffling all that shit around.
0: Sorry.
2: God. Traditional epoxy, you have to put into a pressure pot. Um, that's how they make knife scales. They'll pour it into a, a mold and then pressurize the chamber to draw out draw out the air bubbles. With eco epoxy, you don't have to do that. Uh, I don't know. If I'm, maybe I assume that you can, um, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of uh, you know these river tables, live edge slabs stuff. That's whatever everyone's using. Um, so there are some air bubbles that that come up through it. Um, you got to take a torch to the surface <clears throat> and just kind of keep blowing the surface to pop the air bubbles. But you know, overnight shit happens, and, and whenever the epoxy, it actually gets into all the pores, so it's it's displacing all the air. So there are some residual air pockets and air bubbles and everything, but it still looks really fucking cool. I mean, like, at the end of the day, all that bullshit stuff, it looks really fucking cool. So,
0: there we go. Well, I, don't- I know that the, the pictures that you posted out there on Instagram and wherever else, it looked 100% totally awesome. And uh, Mr. Hoffman will be a lucky gentleman to have that, so... Does he know that it's coming or I I would assume that by now that obviously the cat
2: is out of the bag. So. Yeah, he knows now because I just on my post I just said congrats Hoffman Blacksmithing and he was one of the first ones to to respond to and he was like uh nice axe. What did I do? <laughs> so I didn't tell him that I was making it but um I didn't tell him that I was specifically making this um right now or anything but he knew that I was going to make him something. We, we talked about it. But, um, that picture, that, um, video that I did, it's got fucking, it's been viewed 65,542 times right now. Jeez. And the interesting thing was, is, uh, that 79% of those views, those people were not following me. So that is how, instagram works that's the goal of instagram to get it out in front of as many people as you freaking can and chris i think uh you were talking what shadow what would you call it shadow banning
1: shadow banned i think that's a real thing it is a real thing and it's a 100 percent what's going on with my account right now <clears throat> how do you know that um so i, I just through some research Notice it and then my growth is is nothing. Like yeah. I can make a post on that I don't get nothing. You know, used to have a pretty steady growth. And then the likes on my post are down. So I started just like researching because you know it's all a game. Right, absolutely. So I come up with the shadow band. So I Google it and I'm like, what, what is shadow banning? So I Google it and find out that it's basically none of, you, none of my hashtags are searchable except for the people that already follow me. Really? So if you're, if you're on Instagram and you search a hashtag, um, sometimes they use Killinger as my hashtag. Yeah. And you don't follow me, none of my posts will show up. Seriously, yeah. Have so, you
2: have you had someone like I don't know, some random stranger uh, in a bathroom stall like,
1: <laughs> hey, we
2: will, <you, laughs> will you search for the killer? <laughs> no,
1: not yet. I guess I guess the thing to do to, to totally verify it is you have to someone that is not you have to get get with them, make the post. It's really, Whatever, whatever hashtag you guys want, and then a couple minutes later, you have that push that hashtag, and if it shows up, bad. But it, it doesn't even matter. It, I can tell from the the zero growth, and I mean, in the last month, I've gotten three followers. Seriously, it's just insane. <clears throat> so I did some research on how to. How to correct it, and, um, one of the suggestions is is close your account and open a new one. Don't do that. The other one is, um, try running an ad. Well, I tried running an ad yesterday, and of course, a tool roll is a weapon, so that got sh- shut down right away. Um, so we'll see what, what happens. Dude, fucking like Instagram,
2: I swear. And it, it is a it is a total fucking game, and it's horseshit that so many of us makers depend on it for our businesses, our income, um, everything. Uh, I mean, I've heard of shadow banning, but I, I didn't know that it was like really real. I just I just thought that was people getting pissed off about not getting any followers or anything, but. I didn't know that uh, what you're talking about, it's not freaking your hashtags aren't searchable by someone that's not following you. Maybe so, I should un,
0: maybe I should unfollow you and then try searching for you. Well, I just uh, played the role of the guy in the bathroom stall. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I searched his hashtag and I apologize because it took me about 10 minutes to type it all out. Um, so <laughs> you're, your hashtag. Your hashtag, Killinger Woodsman Gear and Tool, is on Instagram. However, it does say fewer than 100 posts. And the most recent one is from January 15th of this year. What the, the ne- fuck? The next, re- it, it bounces all over. It goes from April 18 to October of 17. October of 17. October 17. Yeah, so like it it boots you all the way back. And then there's the one that I did with your booties. That's in here. That's from April 1st. November 17th. November of 2017. Yeah, so something is definitely up with that particular hashtag. Now, there's one that says Killinger Woodsman. And there's only three on that. And those are even older. The real question is, is do you have a secret Instagram account? Do I have a secret Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> is it called talking. in the stall? Is it called what?
1: The guy in the stall?
0: It's going to be. <laughs>
1: Alright, so everybody everybody that's listening and maybe you guys are curious too, how how do you get Shadowban? By acting like a computer. And what I did is I had a set of hashtags 30 that I copied and pasted every time I posted. Apparently, that's computer. That's, that's a big no-no. Don't do so, that. so I do the same thing. However, <clears throat>
2: there are like three or four that I always change within my 30 every single time I post. So were you not changing anything at all?
0: No. No? No. So basically then the system thought that you were a bot and you were just out there just spamming pictures with the same hashtag and said, you're out. You're done. Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you yeah. get unshadow banned? There's no real answer to that. Play the weight game. What if you start? putting out some more posts and you don't use the same 30 hashtags. They like just use 30 totally different ones that make no sense. Like, That's part of it. Like a, dresses. Get have to Or like lace. Bath, of,
2: bath of butter. <laughs> Oh, cock rings. Right. <laughs> Killinger cock rings. Get them while no. they're hot. Oh, gross.
0: Made out of indestructible and hammered leather.
1: Oh, God.
0: Leather cock rings? We have really started this podcast off.
2: Oh, God. We're spiraling Sorry. bad.
0: So I think that you need to do that, though, and then see if, uh, I don't know, see, like, what kind of response that you get, and then that way you can sort of be the tester for, hey, our, I'm in shadow band land, and so I put in 30 totally different hashtags and see if it works, see if you can come crawling out of shadow land.
1: It's not a good idea to use all 30
2: every time either. Yeah, I've, I've also noticed that. So here's here are two other things that you can do. Um, Whenever you make a story, tag your location or use your own hashtag killinger woodsman gear and tool or whatever, not like create your own hashtag. Not just your username. Are you with me? <clears throat> so every single story needs something on there because I think that's hard for a robot to do, especially locations. I was doing that along I was doing that Um, someone told me that trick, um, and you start doing all these little incremental tips and tricks and stuff starts, like the bar starts moving in your favor. So, I would do, I would do that. Start there. Yeah. It's so dumb that we have to fucking do all this horse shit. It's exhausting. It is.
1: Like, can can I just post a picture of... Shit I create and and people follow me. Like, is that so... Is that such a crime?
2: So, uh, here's one more layer of it. um, Of bullshit from fucking Instagram. Is that uh, whenever I make a post, um, it typically gets kicked out to the explore page. But whenever I do something for sale or I do an auction... It never gets put out on the uh, on the explore page, so the views are a fraction of what it could be. And I think if you have a couple of keywords in your description, like for sale, auction, available, that flags Instagram to say, "Ah, we're not pushing this because they're not making any money off of it," yeah. and they want you to use the promote function, um, but we Which, can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They consider
1: your freaking axe a weapon. It's so freaking dumb. It's so dumb. And the reality of it <clears throat> is at any moment, Facebook and Instagram could shut us down completely.
2: Just disappear. Well, It could just disappear.
1: Because they, they feel it's a weapon and we're promoting violence. Yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> Instagram's dead. Instagram's dead. It really is. Like, I put a lot of work into building up my Instagram account. Now I'm just frozen in time.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's he,
1: really... Sh- a lot of people use the, the shadow ban as an excuse because they're putting up crappy content. And I get that. And uh, the last month hasn't been great content for me. But still... I w- even in previous times when I haven't put up a lot of fancy work, I still get followers. Yeah. 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 Like three in a month. That's just insane. Like. Yeah, that, that's it. That is. While I was on, I was on such a growth spurt and now it's just, it's just shut down. done.
0: Well we we have to get this fixed for you, Keller, because I can feel I can feel the pain and the torture in your voice. I can see it on your face. I can see it in your eyes. This is really disturbing. I'm gonna have to contact Instagram on your behalf. <laughs> I say, this is from the man in the stall. Oh god. I, I want more Killinger content. <laughs> I want some leather.
2: Oh god.
0: So I'll let you know how that goes here today. Welcome to the Leather Castle. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a dollar if you know that movie. What's that quote from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch movies. Miller, you got it? Um, no, I do not. Risky business. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: I come in. Anyway. Right. <laughs> so what else do we have going on? Roy, what's the update with royapalooza, October of two thousand and
2: nineteen. All right, so I have fifteen people have already signed up for free tickets. Um, and I know that there's one other person. I'm not gonna name names, but he goes by the uh, Instagram handle freebie. He has not ordered a ticket, but he freebie. is coming. Son of- so there's there are 15 people that have already got um, tickets, but over here on uh, Facebook, seven people say that they're going and that there are 22 that are interested. So if those 22 people come... Um, like, I, if you all, just this, I'm putting this out there. If you plan on coming, sign up for a ticket. The only reason that I'm doing the ticket is just to get a freaking total head count. So I know when to get a portable toilet because I don't want people running in and funking up my freaking bathroom all goddamn day. So if you're coming, please sign up for a freaking ticket. They're, they're free. Uh, and once I get to probably 30, then I'll get, then I'll order a portable toilet and then I just need to know how much food and stuff to make. So that's the only reason that it's out there is just to kind of control or not control, but just to, to see what's, uh, how many people are actually showing up. So I'm excited about it. I can't wait. I know a lot of stuff is going on in October. Um, so hopefully, people can make it to Kentucky. I think it'll be a freaking super fun time. So kind of the standard fare of things, you know, if you want to bring your axes, bring them, show them off. If you want to sell some stuff, sell them. I don't care. Uh, If you want to just come and hang out and not bring anything, that's cool too. If you want to work on some stuff, well, that's probably not going to happen because that's silly. I don't want to work. (laughs) I'm trying to have some fun. But in all honesty, if you want to work on something, um, I guess you can. But whatever. I'm not going to be working on anything. I'm going to be hanging out, having a couple beers, and
0: uh, getting in a a bunch of trouble, I guess. Are we going to have good beer there? Or is this going to be like seven (laughs) selections of IPA? Oh, my God. You're the worst (laughs) beer drinker in the world. I'm the best beer drinker in the world, first of all.
2: All right, what are your top three beers?
0: Uh, Budweiser, High Life, and Schlitz.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I rest my case. <laughs> now, for you guys that don't know, these two knuckleheads are big IPA guys. I cannot stand IPA. I would rather, as I've stated to them, drink hot camel piss in the middle of the Sahara Desert. And that is a true story. I don't know what it is about it. I hate it. And uh, I have, obviously, if I'm in a pinch and uh, that's all that somebody has, I'll drink it. But I've never tasted anything that bad in my life. Oh, so, what, the, the taste of beer?
1: You've never IPA. tasted beer?
0: <laughs> IPAs. No,
2: that's what beer tastes like.
0: <laughs> IPAs are terrible. I don't know how you guys drink them. Your face is terrible. <laughs> I get sick and a little nauseated right now just thinking about it. I don't know you how are- you guys do it. You're fucking ridiculous. I would rather have a cold Pilsner beer or an ale or something like that than that IPA camera. Alright, so one. in all honesty, top three beers. Uh probably uh Heineken, uh Blue Moon, and uh Miller High Life.
2: Wow. So this is the guy that went to a beer fest that doesn't even like the taste of beer. So do you just walk around drinking different <laughs> different shades of Bud Light or what?
0: No, so that the, the Boston Beer Fest had, uh, what, 225 uh, brewers there. And obviously I stayed away from the IPA stuff, or if I did drink it. I would be like, this stuff's terrible, you should stop selling it.
2: Oh my god.
0: But they had everything under the sun, so it didn't matter. IPA is really the only beer I won't drink. Anything else I'll I'll drink. It's just that for whatever reason is absolutely it's it's not even beer. I don't know what to classify it. It's terrible. You're it is. You're freaking crazy. Sorry. And it's that whole bitter thing, I guess I have that genetic remember I was trying to tell you about the genetic studies about whether you like bitter or not? Blah blah blah, you guys thought I was crazy. No, idea. Yeah. All right, go
2: killer. Top three beers.
1: Uh, it'd just be IPA, Oktoberfest, and Christmas Ale. You can mix in whatever brand you want. I'll try them all.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, but I, the- I, I have tried so many different beers in that same family, Oktoberfest uh, and IPAs. They all they all taste really really similar so to to narrow one of them out um it's really hard i love voodoo ranger um i love the juicy haze i love hazy little thing um those just those are just so freaking fruity and citrusy and they're just they just got so much flavor and then you drink a miller low life and it's just like good god yes very <laughs> low luck
1: I'm weird because if it's real hot outside, I just want a bush light. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want a heavy beer or anything that's hoppy or anything. I just want it's like flavored water, I guess. But yeah, it's got to be super cold. Like I want it. Yeah. But you know, people, people, I don't get the whole "oh, you drink that shit beer" for unless it's PBR. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Miller's oh, drinking right now. <laughs> it's all beer. I mean, I it just it depends on what you're doing. And, you know, I can't drink IPA all day, even though it says all day IPA. Yeah. Because it, it freaking gives you the worst cotton mouth ever. Yeah, so, it does. You know, th- those kinds of beers are good for, like, you know, sitting down drinking a couple of <clears> beers. Maybe one with your dinner or whatever, but not. If you, if you're going to be socializing and you know, you're going to end up drinking, I'd, I'd just drink the cheap shit because I can drink.
0: A bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So killer over to you. What do you have? Uh, what's the update here or do we have a finalization of the right, Ohio so me, move process? Let me just take
1: a break here. I want to do a shot out. Oh, uh, uh, Matthew Justice of what beaver. again? What? 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 I just wanted to make sure I got him in there.
2: What's his name? What, what's his? What's his handle?
1: Beaver Queef. <laughs> 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 so he's Just like a beaver
2: <laughs> Sorry, Matthew Justice. But you made make- it. But you made it on the show again.
1: I just wanted to make sure I got him back in. All right, so the update is uh, Killinger. Whoa, whoa, whoa!
2: So there, you don't need. You're just saying his name, like nothing yeah. specific. <laughs> name dropping. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> he's made it on every episode now, I believe. Right? Is he seven for seven, or he's at least six for seven? Yeah, he's. Been- I th- I think he's six for seven. Wow. Okay, and he hasn't even done anything. He just gets the <laughs> name drop. That's impressive. That's impressive.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, so if you're listening, Matthew Justice, and we know you are, you're a fucking rock star. Right. Welcome to the club. You made it. <laughs> like Alright, status. What's going on?
1: Alright, so look, Hillinger move, moving whatever you want. It's closed. Done. We're out we're out of business. You're done, oh. done. Done.
0: Do you think that so has anything the- to do with your Instagram account? <laughs> no? Okay. Just checking.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're completely moved. Um, I don't have to go to that other property anymore. It's no longer my responsibility. Um, so now we just, we're unpacking. It's in. It. And then today I got to get ready for bucking stock because I'm leaving out early in the morning tomorrow. So if you'll be at Buckingstock, come hit me up.
2: I really want to be there, but I just don't think it's in the cards.
0: That was the one that we talked about last time, right, where you you actually had the dates off by like a month? And the
1: the location. I had the location by a whole state. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) All right. So this time time I'm sure Union, Michigan, at some place called Summit, um, that's all so I what, have. what are you going to be doing while you're there? Uh, I'm just going to like show off some of my work. Like I'm taking some axes I've restored and obviously leather work, the axe rolls. And then I'm going to take tools and for leather work and, and axe hanging and I'm probably going to hang an axe and maybe make a sheath for it. So you guys can pop in and out. As I'm doing that. How many people
2: do you think are going to be there? Three to four hundred. Wow. it's a pretty good turnout for a guy that lives up in Vancouver in the middle of the Midwest.
1: I know they've – he's not
2: just a guy that lives in Vancouver. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm saying it's a good turnout for a guy that lives in Vancouver to get people to come to fucking Michigan to see him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, where the hell was it going with that?
2: I don't know. You're going nowhere. We got to cut you off. You had too many all day IPAs already.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and for those guys that are out there, it's only nine thirty, and Killer's
1: already drunk. <laughs> Just in case anybody took Roy seriously, I'm not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> i'm drinking
2: coffee that's what it says that's what you say <laughs> what about you miller what's going on with you
0: not too much got a few things in sent a few things out so pretty par for the course got this guy in here if nobody has seen this i'll put this on the instagram page
1: what are what you so this, what are you
0: holding up this is a single bit Real long handle, King Cutter advertising axe that was used in a hardware store, and this whole entire thing is wood, so it's that is a wooden so display. Cool. In pretty good how, shape.
2: How did that sticker stay stuck on there for so long?
0: It's a little loose because I thought at first that was they put this on there afterwards. Because obviously, as you can see, the head does that. It has some wear, has some tear, and yeah. some scrapes. As you look close at the uh, the sticker, it is also beat up. It's got some wear and tear. It's a little loose on the one corner, so it does look good. Um, but I wondered that same thing. I was like, "Oh man!" As soon as I got it, I was like, "This some guy found this wooden axe and threw a sticker on there." But it does uh, it appears to be good. So, uh, so what's the story behind that? You want to? I don't like really this? have a I don't have a big story. It was on Instagram and uh, my boy old tape. He likes to tag me in all kind of different posts. Yeah. He yeah. tagged me and popped up. I contacted the guy that had it on there and said, uh, let's dance. And there <laughs> it is. So, let's dance. But that was a good piece. Yeah. There's a couple other ones that are in the mail coming and then sent out uh three or four pieces. What is today? Thursday? Yeah. Today's Thursday. Sent out a couple on uh, over the weekend on Tuesday. So that's been good. And that's really about it. So, Obviously researching, reading through some of these catalogs. If anybody hasn't done it yet, uh, if you have, obviously YouTube, watch the Axe to Grind video. I watched that again. That was the first time I watched it in about, I don't know, four years, five years with uh, Bernie. Yeah. Uh, A great watch. Obviously, it's very simple and it's very uh, old school, but it's still a good watch. And then read through the book with the Axe to Grind. And... uh, Just got some basic information off of that and some of the stuff for research, but that was about it. So a couple of these other books. Oh yeah, these guys here. Axes made, sold and found in Canada. And this is made, this is made by Clenman, who's the guy that did the first edition of the Axe Makers. Mm -hmm. Pretty good read. And then there's this one. This guy here, this James Gamble, he has I don't know, three or four axe-related books out. But this one's all about broad axes. And this is all over the place. This goes from, like, the the early 1400s all the way up to present day. But this has some really good information in it, too. So I actually have an extra copy of this, and I'm Mm. going to sell it. Wow. So if anybody's interested, hit a guy up. You're not not really into broad axes, are you? I have... I have, yeah, quite a few of them, actually. So I'm not into them like the regular axes, but they obviously – they were the ones that sort of made it from an axe perspective. Right, right. Guys were using those to make railroad ties all the way up through the mid-50s. But I don't know if you can see, there's three of those, four of those guys. Actually, five of them right there. Those are all new old stock ones. So they were one of the last holdouts of the axes that actually people – Remember, and you see those sometimes in references because those uh-huh. are the ones that people remember. And you'll see them in movies, guys using them incorrectly, or like zombie movies all broad products. Obviously, <laughs> makes, makes no sense. But uh, there were some, some of the last holdouts of axes that people still remember and sort of understand or think of an axe whenever you tell them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't you don't collect like the really super old ones, like you were just pointing out in that book, do you?
0: You just not the like some of these are from Europe. Yeah. You'll have like these goose wing ones and stuff like that. Uh-huh. The American made goose wing ones actually originated in Pennsylvania by the old the old German uh, immigrants that had come over. And some of the oldest ones in America are based out of Pennsylvania. I don't have any of those. The the goose wing just never did it for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't have any of those.
2: There there's a uh, an auction going on in Indianapolis this weekend and I bet there are close to two hundred broad axes in the lot. Yep. And the 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 auction is on site, so there are pictures of this guy's house and it's kinda it's like your place there, Killinger, just wood everywhere. And this dude has Fucking axes for days all just displayed up on his walls. It's, I mean, it's gorgeous. I wish they were, um, American felling axes cause I'd probably lose my mind, but I saw maybe one or two of them in there. It's just not worth my time going up there to, to check out the auction cause I'm not into those broad axes at all. Not, not even, not even the ones that you're into either, Miller. I just, I just don't care about them. I shouldn't say I don't care about them. They have their place and, all that stuff. I just don't want to collect them, and they're they're really expensive. Especially, you know, these guys, uh, especially old timers. They they'll they think that even a rusted up, beat up old bullshit broad axe is worth a hundred bucks, <clears throat> and maybe it is. But I'm not going to pay that for it. Um, they they can get very very expensive in a in a hurry.
0: They do. their uh, I think guys just try and quantify it by the amount of metal that is huh. in the broad axe. I think that's one of the things. Just talking, talking to some guys and saying, "Man, why do you have that broad axe at $125?" And it's always, "Well, look at the size of it." Yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right, I get it, but you know, there's no markings. It's all beat up. The one toe is all sharpened down and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's usually what I what I hear from guys. But well, it's it, really it old. It's got to be valuable. Oh yeah, and, and those are the ones again that sort of have like the last, um, the last hold on people. But it's uh, they are. I mean, to me, they're an interesting piece. Obviously, if you didn't have those, if you weren't getting any of the railroad ties, the beams, different things like that that were made uh, to help build the country. The other interesting thing is too is if you get into Oh, like any of these newer bars or restaurants and things like that, and they have the decor, of mm. you know, the wooden decor and stuff, you can see, you can immediately tell if the beams and everything like that are original. Right. Or if they've been made through a machine, because one of the things that they haven't figured out yet is how to get a machine to duplicate those old hewing marks. Yeah. They've been trying and trying and trying, and there's a lot of these woodworker guys and, and things like that working on that, but they've never been able to do it. That. So that's why those beams that you can pull out of the old barns um, go for so much money because you just you can't get that feel, you can't get that look, uh, and that's one of the things I think that's really cool about those. So
2: interesting, interesting. Yeah, do you have any
1: broad axes killers? Yeah, got a couple. Really? I got a really a really mint plum new. I'm I'm pretty sure it was new old stock. I don't think it ever had a handle hung in it. Huh. And then um, I've got an American axe, something brother right axe, and hewing hatchets. But <clears throat> that's about it. I don't uh, understand why guys get so hung up on age. Like yeah, the very first thing you see when somebody finds something. Any idea on how old it is? Like that's going to change everything. I get, I get asked that all the freaking time.
2: And I, I sold an axe, uh, yesterday, I shipped an axe out yesterday and the guy said, can you tell me how old it is? And it was, it's a true temper Vulcan Kelly works. You tell me how old it is. What's your guess, Miller? That's
1: Kelly that. works.
2: So 1949 to probably 1960, 19... I don't know
0: how long they ran the Vulcan line. Vulcan line was an old, old original line that got absorbed by the Kelly Company that then obviously went over to Kelly Works went over to American Fork and Hope But, you know, if it has Kelly Works on there, that's going to narrow you down a little bit. But it's probably, yeah, mid-40s on and on. Probably. More so... Than
1: yeah,
2: but what's the and-on? Like, where does it stop?
0: Uh, With them, probably, like, 60. That's one of the things that we've been trying to figure out, or I've been trying to figure out, is when did the uh, the mass production, and right now it's, like, 60 to 65 is when things sort of fell off. And from then on, man was the major producer then. So, for in your case, one of those, you're probably looking at, like, say, 45 to 60. Mm-hmm. And with a significant drop off after World war two when when did do you
2: know offhand when did uh, true temper <coughs> drop Kelly works on their uh, on their axis
0: that's been up for debate now if you read usually everybody says that that would be if you see Kelly works it's definitely before 1949 but there is uh, some examples of where those have been that's it's very highly regarded that they were made after 1949. Mostly you'll get into ones that will say just True Temper and then like Kelly Perfect. Those are the ones that are usually like the 50s and on. So Kelly works as a general rule is usually 49 and before. As a general rule, but again, nothing, absolute 100%. No, I'm, stone.
2: So I'm talking about the ones that are much later like the 70s or so. When because when, you can tell you pick up a you pick up a, an axe that just says true temper on it, mm-hmm. and you can tell it has been mass produced. So kind of what era do you think those were? Where it, it just says true temper, maybe flint edge on it, but no Kelly works or anything else.
0: Those ones are probably in the 60s because then usually what you see is that once we get like after 68, 69, then everything went into that wood slasher line. Like that was the new economy. Mm-hmm. and everything was mass produced. You can see it like on the poles. You can see where the things were sheared off. Yeah. Through the manufacturing process. Uh, basically, everything then painted red. It would have the uh, the lot number stamped into it where you see like that. It's like CK30 or like C30 or C47. Yep. So that's usually when those are associated with. But again, nothing's. And that's one of the kicking the pants about it is that nothing is absolutely 100% for certain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just, wait, I where just. Where were we going with that? What were you shipping know. out? A Vulcan.
2: Yeah, double bit Vulcan. Beautiful axe. Michigan pattern. Beautiful. Was, so <laughs> the guy, the guy was asking me about, you know, what year do you think it was? And I just said 1949 to probably Late 50s, early 60s. That was my best estimate because, you know, everyone – because Killinger was saying everyone wants to know the age because they think older is more valuable, which is not the case at all. I shouldn't say at all, but it's it's not the case.
1: It's not necessarily going to make your ax worth more money.
2: <clears throat> no, you can – I mean, look at the Norlin line. Those are super valuable right now. They are made in the 60s through the 80s. Right. Um, they're more valuable than – freaking a lot of stuff out there just because of the demand doesn't mean they're better. They're clearly not better in terms of quality of manufacture, but that's what people want to buy. So people are willing to pay it. Right. Age has nothing to do with it at all. <clears throat> Look at fucking Hoffman. Hoffman's axes are made in 2019 and he sells them for an ass load of money. So there you go.
0: All right. What kind of load of money? <laughs> ass load. Nice. So one of the things um, that I read this weekend when I was reading through some of these books that I did not know, but um, it said that, you know, you, you'll hear and you'll see and the guys will talk a lot about the patina on their mm-hmm. axe mm-hmm. and how that is a sign of age and storage and this side of the other. And it said that in order for a metal tool, whether it's an axe, any kind of tool related mm-hmm. item, for it to have the proper patina, has to be at least seventy-five years old. Oh my! Who are, who's writing this shit? It was in. I'll I'll post that. I forget which one of these books that it was in. It might have been this gamble one, actually. Um, but I did not know that. I knew that patina obviously was a sign of you know the the aging process of metal, and there's different variations of it. There's different colors and blah blah blah. But he had stated that for it to be a true patina, it had to be at least 75 years old in order to get the correct. I think he the, the exact words were <clears throat> the coding, coding, consistency, and color. Yeah. Which I did not know that. So if you say 75 years, <laughs> that sort of throws in a whole
2: – Well, I mean – Look I, at that a
0: few different ways.
2: Well, he's talking about all those old broad axes and stuff. I'm assuming that's the guy that, that – that book that you just held up, Right. That's one of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. So on all that stuff, like, you can can look and feel and touch those old broad axes, and they are so rusted out that, like, the coating that you're talking about, you can feel it, and it's not going to rust out anymore. I mean, like, it's got this essentially a protective freaking layer on it that once you take it off, it's, I mean, you just kind of fucked everything on that. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's just interesting whenever you read stuff like that, and then there's different takes from different gentlemen about, you know, again, if we're talking about historical accuracy, which is so hard to do right now, and it's still a learning process, and it's just interesting. I mean, I'm reading this in a book from a guy that is a very well-known axe collector and historian and has put a shitload of time in there. And he's saying for something to have a patina it has to be at least seventy five years old. And it's like, all right, whatever. Okay. So,
2: so none of the axes that we have have patina on them because, I mean, if you if something's made in nineteen fifty, it it doesn't qualify.
0: That's sort of interesting, but sort of the take, yeah.
2: Well, I'm calling bullshit on that.
1: I mean, I've got axes that I restored five years ago that you know. have <laughs> patina. I mean, I don't know if there's a proper shade of patina and how you yeah. scientifically. I'd be all, I'd be interested in hearing his theory. Um, maybe we can get a patina chart. I don't
2: know. Well, uh, we'll get, uh, Eric from Hand Tool Rescue to get on here and give us the lowdown on patina. <laughs>
1: I think he's an expert in patina shades maybe all right is he a patina expert probably like i would just like to have a <laughs> moment. <laughs>
2: eric if you're listening you're welcome on the show anytime
1: <laughs> no not please come on
0: <laughs> show me your patina
1: oh god did he have a patina chart in there or what?
0: Did I don't. I don't see any kind of patina chart. I'm trying to look here. There's nothing. I don't even know if this was. If this was the right book, I just thought that that was interesting because I was like, technically, let's just say that that is correct. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, I'm like that throws a huge shitstorm into not only some of the axes that I have, but then what everybody else has. But to Killer's point. I know that there's stuff that I had worked on four, five, six years ago, and it has a pretty good-looking patina on it right now. Yeah. Does, does that not count then? Like, is it not worthy? You, you said it many times. If you wire a wheel ahead and then hit it with some WD-40, it,
1: it'll patina in front of your eyes. Yeah. Uh, and then it just gets darker with time. So, uh, whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. <clears throat> But it just goes to show that stuff will change as we get more information. So I'm not sure if everybody saw my Instagram post, but I had this Western Clipper single-bit axe that I bought off of a gentleman in New York, and I had done the quick research on it, looked it up, and said, oh, so this Western Clipper, that's a Welland Vale line out of Canada. So I had this axe. I've had it now for four five, six years, and I thought for sure that that thing was out of Canada. Well, here it come to be. It's out of a hardware store line in the Midwest. That I had never even heard of before. So there's all kind of, again, more learning and information and updating and all kind of stuff like that. But I thought that that was sort of funny because I was dead set that that was Canadian based and it wasn't, not even close. I'm looking
2: at your, I'm looking at it right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll continue to get updates and uh, continue to learn.
2: God, that thing is really nice looking.
0: Excuse me. I can't remember where I read this about the patina. That's going to bother me now. Maybe it was uh maybe it was Bernie that said that. Was it Bernie? I hope not. Cuz I love that guy.
1: I would just like to point out that Bernie Bernie did a a really good job on that Axe grind. Don't take everything as gospel. Yeah. It's a, it's a jumping off point. If you do everything he says, you'll be fine. But there's there's things in there that um, don't take it to heart.
0: So he's so talking I, about cutting everything off flush.
1: I, that's exactly what I was going to lead out with. Well, he talks about cutting the, the eye off flush, which is not wrong. Yeah. It's, there's just a better way of doing it. And then he talks about the grain orientation you know he does I, does he speak about run out or does he just speak No about, and it it's more the the run out's more important than the orientation
0: so here's something that i found interesting about if you want to call it the argument or the discussion about whether you're going to cut the top of that handle off flush with the eye or if you're going to let it stick out a little bit so then you can get that nice fat wedge in there so then that hand or excuse me that head cannot come off that handle right So to me, that's not, that's a little bit common sense. It's, you know, that makes sense. Obviously, if that wood protrudes out over the edge of the eye, that, that head cannot come off there, right? Right. So when is the last time that you saw an old Kelly, an old Plum, an old whoever, you're telling me that those guys have been working with axes since the mid 1800s. They couldn't figure that out, but you never saw any of them do that. Yeah, so, so when did that right. start
2: why, when did that become a thing?
0: The first one that I saw do it that I can remember was Best Made. When they have their painted axe line, we won't get into that whole topic cuz that just causes a fever among guys. They're right. the first ones that I remember seeing that on like all of their axes on a production line. Now, that doesn't mean that that, that they were the first. Those are some of the first ones that I remember seeing.
1: Well, I believe Grantsford has always done it.
0: Have they really? Forever and ever?
1: I, I mean, f- for as long as I can remember, and Best Made was not – it's not that old of a company. So. No,
0: no, they're not that old at all, obviously, in comparison to Grantsford. So,
1: but that's, that's – I never paid it
0: – I never paid any attention to first. At they were doing it – well, that brings up with Best Made probably just copied it right off of them. Though. Well, I – I know that uh, in the
2: 60s, 70s, and 80s, Grandsfurs, just on their felling axes, they were cutting them off flush. Um, I've seen and I've had several of those, um, but maybe the small forest axe, all that bullshit stuff, They maybe they were. I don't know. Uh, I'm like Mike. I don't I don't even pay attention to Grandsfurs or Holtz or any of those.
1: To go back to, to go back to what you're talking about, Miller, I I get what you're saying, and I suspect, as from a, um, manufacturing standpoint, it's probably easier to cut them off flush. Plus, I think they were, when they were setting the heads, I think they were hydraulically pressing them. I don't think there was a guy with a hammer hanging them. Maybe in the early days, once manufacturing started kicking in and, and figuring stuff out. I think they started pressing them in like council does.
0: Yeah, but what about so, the guys that are in the logging camps back in the day? All right, well, back are, in the- are, That are resetting those So, like, nobody in the logging camp could figure that out, that, hey, this is going to hold better? Maybe they did,
1: though. How many how many actors do you have that are actually from a logging camp?
0: I have a lot of those Warrens that came from the Pacific Northwest, and oh, they're all cut flush. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really remember getting an older axe that had the handle extended up through the eye. Like, I just, I'll have to look again. But I know that
1: I've. You might not have. uh, I'm saying maybe the the protruding eye is something new. But here's why, okay? If you have an old axe with an original handle, and 90% of the time the head is loose on on the handle, would you agree or not agree?
2: 100%. It
1: it does that because the wood shrinks. I mean, it's obvious. The wood's going to shrink. Now, if if the head was protruding and it was bulged out, I'm sure it could still get loose, but not as likely as if it's not, there's no extra wood above.
0: Right. So why did it take us until the 1990s to figure that out? I don't know. With... Well, I think, I
2: I think Chris is on to it. It's just the manufacturing process. But even if they broke them, I think if, you know, if the guy out there buys a couple of axes and he gets it from the store and it's cut off flush and that's just the kind of standard of practice. So if he busts off a handle, he's just going to cut it flush again.
1: And then here's the other thing. The guy in the logging camp hanging an axe, was he was he worried about a, uh, you know, a hickory handle with a freaking walnut wedge and not putting a metal wedge in it so it didn't look all funky? Or was he worried about just getting that axe set and put as many wedges in there as it took to hold it in place?
0: And get back well, to work. I would agree with that. But, you know, one of the things is I look through these catalogs and you think about, again, that golden age From eighteen fifty to nineteen fifty, these axe companies obviously were trying to gain whatever advantage that they could, right? I mean you look at all the advertising, you look at the paper labels, best axe made. This axe is perfect. Look at Mm -hmm. this Vulcan line, look at the um the Saugers with the blue coating for anti-rust and everything like that. I just sort of find it hard that they you know oh we gotta have these premium second growth hickory handles with only seventeen rings per inch for proper compression and blah, 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 like th- no one figured that out and be like, Hey, listen, we're going to handle these. We're going to half these this certain way. We're going to bring our wood up past the eye and that's going to make it better for you because then your head is going to stay on that handle longer and it's going to be a greater convenience to you. So like nobody in that whole entire time of the the go time, the golden age, nobody figured that out. Like no yeah. one was like. And I think a lot of it is the manufacturing process. They didn't want to piss with it. The guy in the logging camp, he's probably sitting there trying to sharpen those and handle those as fast as he possibly can. He doesn't want to piss with it. And then, you know, it eventually got to this point where somebody figured it out and it was different. ooh, hey, look at that. Now that's up over that. That sort of looks cool, right? That's sexy. I just have my mind struggles with that. And saying, I can't believe nobody figured that out or nobody did it 75 years ago. But, I don't know. That's just me. I think it's just a progression of things, too. I
1: mean, there's a lot of things that can equate to that. Like, I don't know how to put it in perspective. So, I've been, let's go here. I've been for 20 plus years. And then when I began my career, there wasn't a thing called gear wrench that didn't exist. And then probably within fifteen or within five years of being a mechanic, all of a sudden gear wrench hit the market. I can't even imagine life without gear wrench. <laughs> so yeah. why did it take so long to develop this product?
0: That's a good good point. It's one of the mysteries. We'll have to figure it out. I, I I don't know. I'll look through the the old ones that I have, but I don't remember seeing anything. I don't ever remember seeing like one of the forest service ones. Ever that way, no matter what kind of axe that it was. And they didn't spec it, out the eye
1: on a forest what's axe. What's that? They didn't spec out the eye on a forest axe.
0: Well, if you're, I'm just talking about the handle being protruded up through the eye. That's uh, what I'm I, saying. I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know because I don't have any original
1: forest axes, but I, I don't know because they're so particular on the forest axe about
0: everything. Yeah, the forest service special specification the one axe i have here is labeled fs <coughs> which there's a little bit of debate is that fire service or forest service it's forest service it's not fire service
2: there's just no saying, debate.
0: just saying don't shoot the messenger but
2: so glock glock yo <laughs> what's miller doing he's grabbing an axe sorry okay. for the
0: pause so these will be two good examples I'll put go. these on. I'll put these on the uh, on the Instagram. But so here's this guy. You I see that. Is it too dark? No, I see it now. FS. And so that's a partial original paper label from a Vulcan Axe, and then on the back here, Kelly X and Toolworks, Charleston. But as you can see, that thing is cut flush. Mm-hmm. The other one here then. Which might be a little bit of a better example. This is the Collins, the Legitimus. And I'll show you this side here just real quick. That has the Collins. Now, this one has all these different markings on the back. It has the CCC. Wow. If you guys can see that. It's too dark. All right. I'll put that out there. But it has a CCC mark, and it has the NPS. And what else is on there? There's something else on there that I can't uh, make out. Um, but that is also cut off flesh. So I'm not sure combat. what that's all about. I do. I got to look on my camera and see who's here. You got a visitor? I told her not to show up till later, but.
2: Uh oh. You don't want to make mama mad. So if you want to use the right lingo, it's called hanging it proud. Okay? So, that's just throwing that out there.
1: Yeah, thanks for that.
2: I'm just, just saying, if you want to talk about freaking stuff, just use right lingo. Hanging proud. No freezer?
1: Is he just? No, I'm th- I thought maybe he's frozen or sleeping.
2: Well, while we have this little lull in the, the conversation, I want to give a shout out to my boy. Uh, eBay seller, U G L A S S A Y E R S, you're still pushing your wife's tits. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 tit shots on eBay right now. And you can get a ball peen hammer. You can get a, a vise. You can get a wrench. You can get a saw. And you can get a nice vintage unbranded double bit cruiser saddle axe logging bushcraft 5.3.5 five, 3. 5 pound axe. And she's wearing a freaking zebra print bikini top. So there you go. You are a piece of shit.
1: Tales <laughs> so, just went up.
2: I hate that guy. I hate it. I hate him. He's got uh, Plum National True Temper uh, Tommy Axe, which is not a Tommy Axe. It's a Carpenter Axe. It's got a shingling hatchet. It's um, got a Stanley. It's got uh, another shingling ball peen and another Carpenter hatchet. You should be ashamed of yourself. Totally ashamed of yourself. So I can't wait till it gets cold outside. What is she going to be wearing? Like, uh, like a snow bunny outfit where she's got a big fuzzy freaking hood on and just pushing her boobs out, like out of her jacket or something. <laughs> I hate this guy. If you're listening, you're a horrible human being. So there we go. There's the update. Three weeks and running, still pushing his wife's boobs.
1: God, what... I never get on eBay.
2: I dude, I got on there today just to see if he is still pushing his wife's freaking, still pushing his wife. And I saved him uh, as a seller. So now all I got to do is just like click, click, and stare it, and I get like a you know free freaking uh, free entertainment right here. It's mm-hmm. just, it's like, oh, this one, she's laying down on a beach towel, and she's holding the axe like this right across her chest. God, what a slut. <laughs> oh.
1: Anyways. <laughs> so, hey, uh, Roy, before, uh, before you guys we get wrapped up here, where can people find you if they want more Roy Scott? Where can they find me? Yeah, this Instagram. is, this is where you plug your, your Instagram. Yeah.
2: And Instagram. Oh, okay. Find me on
1: Instagram. What's that called? Uh, Vin and Jack's Works. Oh, okay. Miller, will... how <laughs> about, what about me? Yeah, where can people find you?
0: Uh, I'm on Instagram too. <laughs> God, we're all morons. <laughs> Double. Double Bit Axe Company, and also don't forget, Legitimus Podcast is also on Instagram out there for your viewing and uh, listening Certainly. pleasure as well with all the updates of when the podcast hit. So I apologize there. just had a little scare. the uh, The girlfriend left, left the garage door all the way open, left the man door then into the house all the way open, and then the doorbell rings, and no one is to be found. So I had to go do a quick sweep and clear
1: to make mm. sure that...
0: I don't have uh, somebody else sitting in the house here with me, so we'll need to address that, but that was a little
2: scary. Could you imagine someone breaking into your house, like just a normal, everyday piece of shit thief, walks into Miller's house, looks around and all these axes on display? I bet he would just, wait, what What the fuck did I just walk into? I <laughs> just sit,
0: immediately turn around and leave,
2: be like, this is not where I want to be right now. What psycho lives here. God.
0: Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, what else do we got? Are we going to wrap it right there? We are at an hour and five minutes of listening pleasure here for everybody today. Anything else?
2: Uh, um. I, I know there was something else I wanted to talk about, but I can't freaking think of it right now.
0: Was it about epoxy?
2: No, it was not about epoxy. I think we've I think we've beaten that, that down. So what do what do you think about the epoxy Miller? I mean you're a traditionalist.
0: I I you don't can be really honest, know. I don't care. I don't know what to make of it. I, to your point, the old school traditional guy in me says no thanks. But the amount of options that it gives you to do whatever you want to do with any kind of tool. And obviously you've shown that with the hammers and with the axes and stuff like that. Um, I don't really have an issue with it. I have an issue with the guys then that immediately jump on the, Hey, well, you can't use it. That doesn't make any sense bandwagon. Well, just look at it. You're not going to be able to use that in an actual traditional way. And those guys that get all riled up and say, Hey, this is this, that or the other there, that is being made or created for, display. That's made to look at. That's a beautiful piece and it's different. And so I don't really mind it. It's it's not technically my thing. Right. But what has been created with it to me is just another avenue of saying, hey look at this. And then if it brings attention to that particular axe or whatever that piece is and that's going to raise a question and say, hey, so what is this axe? What is this hatchet? That's pretty cool in my book. So I don't think I'll ever go down Epoxy road, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely cool. I mean, it's another avenue. So, well, I
2: mean, just look at—I'm—I'm I'm peeking back there on your wall. You've got one, two, three, four, five pieces hung up that I can see. W- would you ever use those? No, you wouldn't. Those are display pieces. I know. So, listen, I—I I just wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to give my customers other options and. You know, everyone, all these fucking Axco company, Axco whatevers that have just popped up in the last two, three years, whatever, they're all the same in my mind. I mean, there might be a few that are a little bit different or doing whatever, whatever, but by and large, they're all the same. They'll take a head, they'll clean it up, and they'll go down to Ace Hardware, and they'll buy a handle, and they'll put the head on there and try to sell sell it for a lot more money, or... They won't do anything to the head. They'll make a handle and they'll try to sell it for a lot of money or, uh, you know, whatever. So uh, what are those guys doing that is so amazing and so awesome? I, I just, I just don't see it. And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say that I'm better or whatever, but I'm trying to give my customers options that's why that's why i offer a, a, a satin finish my black finish uh, a mirror finish um and a brushed buff finish so most guys they don't they don't really do a whole lot of head work um they'll just take a wire wheel to it and clean off the rust and dip it in some oil or whatever well any fucking hat can do that so whatever So the the epoxy, um, like you said, it's just one more avenue to go down. It's one more option. And is it expensive? Yeah, it's expensive. Is it super cool and is it usable? Well, it's not usable, but it's super cool. Um, so I like it. I think it's freaking, I think it just looks really cool and it looks really different. So I'm going to continue doing it. Um, and for all the haters out there, keep on fucking hating. I don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to go clean up a couple axe heads and then spray some oil on them, but I guess I'm not going to do that today. What?
2: <laughs> so, what you are doing is completely different. You, like, I see what you're doing is uh, protecting and preserving the historical aspect and the historical significance of these axes. Um, And that in itself is awesome and should be appreciated by everyone. So I think what you're doing in that sense is different than what other people are doing. You're not just freaking turning heads just to turn heads or whatever. I mean, I think you're thinning the herd out just because you got a bazillion freaking axes and... You need to free up some cash, and, dude, I totally get that. But the stuff that you are really into, no one else is doing what you're doing. Well, no one else is collecting at that level that I know of.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it all goes, see how it all uh, turns out. All right, what else we got, Killer? Except for me... Are you going to be emotionally okay until you get your Instagram figured out? Yeah. I'm here for you. I'm here for you if you need me. I did. Um,
1: it's, it's not really that big of a deal right now. Cause I, I just got so much going on anyway. I don't, I don't have time to babysit and grow an Instagram account. Um, well, it is, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. I don't know. I, I, you know how I am about the whole, on the fence about all this stuff anyway. I I don't, I don't need to do any of that stuff. Dude, Um, none of us need to do
2: what we're doing. I mean, we could all be doing something else.
1: You do. This is your
2: job. (laughs) (laughs) But I could go down to, you know, BP freaking gas and carry out and do that job or whatever. Two master degrees? Yes, I don't have two... Ma- I have one master's and two bachelors.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Go work at VP.
2: You know what I'm saying?
1: Like, yes, we are...
2: We have chosen <laughs> this job. I have chosen this job. Um, and I depend and rely on Instagram because every follower that I have and I get is a potential customer. Um, so I need to stay on top of this shit. And if you had... I don't know, a blazillion followers, you know, maybe one day killinger woodsman gear and concrete work and leather tool and whatever becomes your full-time gig, or maybe you retire on it. Um, and if you have this solid following, then it's just more, it's just more, uh, stability and more, it gives you more confidence to be able to go out and do it on your own. So it is important. Um, for you to get on this stuff. I wonder if tagging you in, if someone tags you uh, in their posts, if that helped, that's got to help you out, right? Because no one would tag a bot, right? I'm not doing it. He's damaged goods. (laughs) 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 Don't, don't come close to Killinger. (laughs) You'll get shadow banned just by proximity.
0: Yeah, I'm not getting thrown in the whole Miller Bot system. Not me. Sorry, Killer. I'll help you out, but I'll send in the uh my uh stern letter to Instagram from the guy in the stall asking asking for your ban to be lifted <laughs> because we need you. Old Johnny bathroom
2: stall.
1: <laughs> Oh, shit. I'm going to go make a new Instagram account right now called the guy in the stall. With scu- with scuffed up knees? <laughs> I'm just going to post random pictures of bathrooms. Oh, like, God.
0: You'd probably get a million followers, too. That's the sad part.
1: Dude, just here,
2: here's what you do. It's... the guy in the stall and you always take a picture of the stall door but just low enough where you see four feet in the bathroom stall (laughs) and they have to be facing each other
0: (laughs) oh my god this podcast has officially gone off the rails all right Let's wrap this up. Hey, just before we go, though, want to appreciate everybody. Thanks for taking the time, listening to these idiots here, with myself included. Please make sure, if you have the opportunity, leave some comments. Uh, tell your friends. You can follow us on the various uh, platforms that are out there, iTunes, Google, this, that, or the other. But we appreciate you guys. And uh, one more coming next week.
2: October the 12th. Go out. I have a direct link in my in my bio, on my Instagram feed, uh, Vintage Axe Works on Facebook, the event is out there. The event is actually the, – the tickets are through Eventbrite. So go out and search for it. October the 12th, Open House, Food and Beer and Axes.
1: Go sign up. Later. Wrap it.